Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week with Senior Pastor Chris Monahan. For more resources, go to www.igateway.org. This morning, I am uh, talking on what would Jesus eat? <laughs> Come on, look at your neighbor and say, what would Jesus eat? <laughs> and um, this is going to be a kind of a fun talk today. But can I tell you how important it is about what we put into our bodies? And a lot of times, a lot of Christians don't understand the importance of it. And so I'm going to give you a little background. Many of you know I, I was, I, the Jewish uh, ministry that we support, that's where I went to Bible school. So I went to a, a, a Bible school that was run by Messianic Jewish rabbis. How cool is that? I know you're jealous of me, and you should be. It was awesome, right? And many of the people that served in that school, listen to me, <laughs> they made Aliyah, and they went to Israel where there's 6 million Jews and there's 30,000 Messianic Jews. You understand? And they said, the Jewish people are like, come, come, come to Israel. And then when they get there, they're like, go away, go away, go away. He said it was just one of the most difficult things, but... Hear me on this. They gave up everything to go to make a remnant in the land of Israel of Jewish believers who see Jesus Christ as Lord. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Got the radicals over here on that side. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're all radical, right? But, I, but so it's, it's powerful. So part of that was being involved in a lot of Messianic Jewish congregations. And how many have been involved or been to a Messianic Jewish congregation? Anybody? Yeah. They can get a little off sometimes. It can be a little weird. I'll just be honest. It can be a little weird. Uh, I don't mind fruity, flaky, and nutty and cereal. But in Christianity, that's just not my thing. But I think we, ha we, get into this, we get into fruity, nutty, and flaky because we don't study the Word of God and, and go deep. So can we go a little deeper today? Um, Jesus said, he says, therefore, Matthew 6, 31, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Like how much anxiety is about food? And so many people are driven by food. I don't know about you, does anybody else have a pet here that is fixated on their bowl of food? I'm going to show you a picture. I have, an, I have a pet. Her name is Touche. And um, <clears throat> Touche... She, she's a, she never talks. Her meow is like this. She goes, I love that about her. Um, all curts, all, I guess all cats are hurting because they're always saying, meow, meow. I don't know. But, she, but you can see her bowl has got plenty of food in it. But all the time, she's running back to her bowl. If it's not completely full, she's in anxiety. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put Matthew... Six, what was it, Matthew 6, 31, posted right over a bowl. Don't be anxious about food or drink. This is touche, so be praying for touche. She gets over that anxiety. But when we talk about food, think about what was the first sin of the Bible? It was eating. It was taking in food. And so we, we can understand how important it is that food makes a difference in our lives. And if we don't even consider 
what we're putting into our body, then I think we're making a huge mistake biblically. I think it's important that we consider when we talk about the dietary laws and we talk about what we put in our body, if your pastor doesn't talk about this stuff, he's not helping you. And, he, and we have to talk about the whole counsel of God. So this may stretch some of you today, but um, this, I put a lot of thought and study into the idea. I even put glasses on today so I look smarter. You guys are real impressed right now, aren't you? Yeah. Help him, Jesus. Pray for your pastor. <clears throat> Do you consider what kind of fuel you put into your car? Absolutely. Why would we not even consider what we're putting in, into our body here? We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And when you begin to study the dietary laws given to us in the book of Leviticus, it'll blow your mind. These were given 3,500 years ago. And for a lot of us, we just think, well, we can just eat whatever we want. We're in Jesus now. And can I tell you, I don't believe that you're any closer to Jesus but by what you eat. But you might see Jesus sooner if you don't listen to my message today. I don't feel like I'm, like I've seen people, they, they don't, I don't think they eat very well and their life's not going very well, oftentimes because of their food choices. But they have a wonderful relationship with Jesus. But why, I, I want to talk today about why the Bible gets into food. So Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. How many know that there's destruction that happens because we just don't know? No one told us that there's a difference that we need to be aware about what we're putting into our bodies. And I want to talk about a concept and this is the first thing you can fill in, the difference between what is clean and unclean. You know, the Bible calls us to separate things in life. This is clean. This is unclean. They do that with foods. I'll show you how they do it with foods. But the reason I want to talk about food first is because first in the natural, then in the spiritual. If we see what God did in the natural realm... It helps us understand better the spiritual realm. Amen? And oftentimes, we, uh, that's why I think a lot of people don't read the Old Testament because they just see it as a book of, of laws. But when you begin to study and get into the depths of why the God of Israel said, eat this and don't eat this. You know, the God of Israel in Leviticus 13, he says, make sure you don't have mold in your house. He tells you, if you got mold in your house, fix it or tear it down. Well, praise God. How many know it's not healthy to live in a moldy house? Like, we got to deal with those. In the same way, when we come to the dietary laws, you guys getting uncomfortable yet? You're, I, I, I know you're going to say this. It's like, why would God say not to eat bacon if it tastes so good? <laughs> right? Well, it tastes so good. God, why did you say in the dietary laws, don't eat bacon, right? You guys are funny. So the Israelites were told to make a distinction between what was common and what was holy, what was clean and what is unclean. There's a distinction that he called us to make. And I love what God does because... Even when you look at the idea of spirits in the Bible, there's unclean spirits, 
And then there's the Holy Spirit. There's a separation. And if you don't separate between clean and unclean, you're going to have a bad day. I'm saying that nicely. We have to separate between clean thoughts and unclean thoughts. Did you know if you think in an unclean way, you attract, you attract an unclean spirit? But if you think in a clean way, in a pure way, your spirit is pure. Amen? And God even did this with food. That's what I love about this. It's amazing. I want to show you even some of the scientific data between it. You know, when I first came to Richmond a couple years ago, I came here about actually 18, a long time ago. Man, I'm getting old. But I was at a, a pastor's event. I think I was visiting a, a pastor's friend. And, and uh, I get the food from the buffet, and I bring it to my table, and the pastor's there. And I look at him. I said, well, I said, what's in this? And his response to me, after he just got out of heart surgery, he said, just bless it and eat it, bro. How's that working for you? Bless it and eat it? Here's this Twinkie, Lord. I bless it in the name of Jesus. Turn it into a carrot on the way down, God, in the name of Jesus. Like, does that work? Does bless it and eat it work? I thought it was funny. I, I was like, mm, I don't know about that. But Leviticus 10.10 says, you are to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. Guys, this is such an important principle. Most Christians don't separate between what is sacred and what is common. If you learn to do that in your life, you will be successful. But if you don't separate, this is where Christians have a hard time. We need to be separate from the world. Amen? There's, there's practices that I don't do because God condemned them as these are, this is sacred. Think about sex. Maybe don't think about sex. <laughs> Somebody gave me the microphone this morning. <clears throat> this, your, the sexual practice, God tells us to enjoy sex. Did you know that? was the first command he gave to Adam in the garden. Be fruitful. He tells you to enjoy sex, but in the context of marriage between a man and a woman. One man and one woman. Isn't it crazy how we have to clarify everything? I believe marriage is between one man and one woman forever. And, it's, and in that context, God's like, go for it. Enjoy the body of your wife or the body of your husband. It's a beautiful thing. But out, that's sacred. And it's powerful. But you take the idea of sex and you take it out of that sacred context. Sex is clean in that context. You take it out of that context. You put it into whatever you want. Death will ensue. Death will follow you. Because what happened is you've taken something sacred and you've made it common. Start looking for lightning bolts. Be aware. Can I preach to you today? Christians don't do that anymore. We, we believe, like we just, we just try to be nice with everybody. 
There is a clear separation between what is common and what is, I'm sorry, what is sacred and what is common, what is clean and what is unclean. And it even comes down into the practice of food and eating. Now, this is different than what I tell you about the sexual practices, but I think it's fascinating when we study this that in Leviticus 11:12, the Lord says, speak to the people of Israel, saying, these are the living things that you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Now, the Bible's dietary laws serve to protect the Jews from a large number of diseases. How many are grateful that God doesn't want you sick? You know, God doesn't give you sickness because he doesn't have it. And people who say, well, God made me sick so I could go to the hospital and share the nurse. Or God gave me sickness so he could teach me a lesson. If I gave my children sickness when they did something wrong, I'd be in jail. God doesn't do that. So I think you can put up, there's a, another slide you can put up. But it talks about the Bible's dietary laws. They protected the Jews from a large number of diseases. He goes on to say, Leviticus 11:44, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore be holy. For I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. And he's basically saying, there are certain foods that I called you to eat and certain foods that I haven't called you not to eat. And it was prescribed to the Jewish people so that they could live long and be healthy. But I'm going to show you some of the scientific benefits by following what God told the Jews to follow. Can I do that this morning? And we could study this. But there's a couple things. And if you look in Leviticus 11, it talks about a number of things. But one, he says, you can eat animals that, that chew the cud. Um, they have a cloven hoof. I believe they get that. Don't, there's a list I have up here, James, if you can make sure that's up. He says, don't eat uh, birds that are scavengers. Don't eat those. He says, don't eat the bottom feeders, the things that eat the stuff on the bottom of the ocean. He says, you got to eat things with scales. Got to make sure the blood's drained. And you know what he also says? He says, the fat is mine. Don't eat the fat. Did you know the Bible tells you don't eat the fat? The fat belongs to the Lord. You guys get nervous now or something? You getting worried? But hey, let me tell you, I went to um, Cambodia a number of years ago, and on the way out, my pastor, my pastor friend says, hey, we got to stop at this place. And it was a place where they sold, I have a picture of this, a place where they sold fried tarantula. There it is, baby. Oh, the fried tarantula that you could eat. Does that look nummy? Now, as a, as a Christian, I told myself, uh, I, I told him, I said, Pastor, I said, if you, if you say eat this because um, you're being hospitable to me and you say eat this, I will eat this. But if you ever come to America... I guarantee you, as my friend, I will make you eat something that you will regret. Because I believe the Bible says they eat what's ever put before you. Amen? I do not believe I would have sinned if I ate this. But I do believe it's possible I might have got sick. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not guaranteeing, but I, but I warned him. I said, I will eat this, but when you come to America, we're going to eat frog legs or something. I don't know. We're going to do something. But in Leviticus 11.47, he says, 
to make a distinction between the unclean and the clean, between the living creature that may be eaten and the living creatures that may not be eaten. So there's two categories that God told the Israelites, eat, this is food, clean food, these are, these are clean animals, and these are unclean animals. And he goes on to say, Leviticus 11, avoid eating the bottom eaters. The Jews were commanded to avoid eating sea creatures that have no fins or scales. We know these creatures as bottom feeders. So what do these animals eat? They eat all the stuff that floats down to the bottom of the ocean and the bottoms of the rivers. Now, can I tell you, you think that's healthy stuff that they're eating? Have you ever smelled where oysters come from? It's nasty. Like, if you look and see, the reason why God said don't eat these things is because that's, they're eating poop. <laughs> they're eating garbage. They're the garbage eaters of the oceans and of the rivers. Now, am I telling you truth right now? Can I step on your toes a little bit? I'm going to lean into you a little bit. I'm trying to help you. I don't want you to see Jesus before you have to. Amen? Like, consider these things. Isn't God amazing that he was able to tell people this and they wrote this stuff down and they lived longer? The Jews prospered and they were healthy. Amen? I don't think I've convinced you yet, but anyway. And I haven't even stepped on the holy cow yet. Swine. Here we go. The Bible says avoid eating swine. The Bible prohibited the, prohibited the Israelites from eating swine. We know today that eating undercooked pork can lead to infection of parasites called trichinosis. So it's dangerous. And back then, God said, I, I don't want you. You know, one of the pictures of hell is where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. Worms represent internal pain. How I many know oh, you don't want worms inside your body? And fire represents outward pain. I personally take something once every quarter to kill all the parasites in my body. That's what I do because I don't want parasites living in me. And one of my health professionals, he told me, he says, Chris, if you're eating pork, you're more likely to have parasites. Do I eat pork anymore? No. Do I believe if you eat pork that you're sinning? No. Do I believe it's the best thing for you? I don't. I believe the healthiest thing you can do is come into alignment with the biblical diet. But it's optional. No one's more spiritual because of what they eat or what they don't eat. But how many want to live a long, healthy, happy life? Can I preach to you this morning? You're welcome to disagree. God bless you. That was the sacred cow. The sacred cow was the pig, I know. Avoid eating the predatory birds. Um, the Bible warns against eating birds that, that feed on death. So, and it talks about the insects. You can eat certain insects in the Bible. You can eat locusts. Now, I know you're going to the, the locust diner today afterwards to eat some locusts, right? But there are certain insects that, that the Bible says you can eat. That's interesting. I thought, wow. Leviticus 7.25 says, For every person who eats the fat of an animal which a, um, of a food offering may, uh, may be made to the Lord shall be cut off from the people. So God says, the fat is mine. So we shouldn't be eating the fat. Like, I mean, I know there's fat in the meat, but you shouldn't cut off the fat and eat it. Aren't you glad the Lord told them that? You understand? Like, they didn't understand scientifically back then what was good for you, what was bad for you. But it's all there, written 3,500 years ago in the Bible so that they could live long and healthy. And if he got that right, I think he got everything right. Don't you? 
Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. Isn't that good? So why should we eat animals that only chew the cud? Now, what, what they actually say is these animals are known as ruminants, and their stomach consists of four different chamber, chambers. And so there's a digestive process that these animals have that gets all the toxins and the poisons out of things that they eat. So cows are going to be very healthy for you because the way God made them was to be food for us. But you have other animals, like the, you know, other animals, they don't have a healthy a digestive system. Pigs do not have a healthy digestive system. And pigs will eat anything. You understand why God says don't eat those things because I created them to be the garbage eaters of the world. I don't want you to eat them. Because they're going to be toxic. They're more likely to be toxic. I love what God does. It's beautiful. But I want to talk about some of the, the disagreements that you and I, people have and scholars have. We're going to go through those. And uh, I got the microphone, so my car is parked out there running just in case I got to get out quick today. Man, here we go. Okay, fast or feast? Okay, what should we fast from and what should we be feasting on? I want to ask you the question. Does the New Testament teach us that that what we put in our mouth no longer matters. Because a lot of people, a lot of scholars will tell you, it doesn't matter, I'm going to show you some of these scriptures. And one of the main ones is when Peter had a dream. Remember in Acts chapter 10, Peter has a dream. And what's happening in context right now, how many know that context is king? What happens is Peter, he's, getting, he's hungry, and he goes into this trance. It's actually a Greek word called ecstasis. He went, he, he went out of his mind. He went into a whole different way of, of thinking. He had this huge dream and this vision. And God showed him something very important. Because what was happening at that moment was there was a man named Cornelius who was not Jewish. And all the disciples of Jesus at this time did not believe that Gentiles could make Jesus Christ their Lord. It's the opposite today. We don't believe Jewish people can make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. We think, oh, you got to become a Christian. Well, you do, but G Jewish people just need to accept Jesus as their Messiah. But up to Acts chapter 10, they were just like, you think God wants to move on the, the non-Jewish people, which are the Gentiles? And then suddenly Cornelius has this vision, a Gentile sends these people to go visit Peter. Peter is a Jewish guy, followed the law all his life, was followed all the dietary laws, a very good Jewish person. And then he has this dream. And let's talk about, let's read about this dream. It says, Acts 10, 9, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens opened and like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him. And it said, rise, Peter. And this is a hunter's favorite verse. Kill and eat. <laughs> Any hunters in the house this morning? 
Acts 10.13, your new favorite verse. Kill and eat. Okay. So, so when the sheet comes to descend, all these different unclean animals are on this sheet, and God says, Peter, rise up, kill and eat. And Peter's like, hey, I'm a good Jewish boy. He says, by no means, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And this thing happened three times. God was trying to make a point to him. He says, don't you call unclean what I have called clean. Now, what's the interpretation of this? Is right now the Lord saying to Peter, go get that Baconator in the shrimp cocktail and go eat whatever you want at this point. Is that what's happening? No. There's not, this is not a dream that should be literally understood. Come on, you following me? We could take it literally, but that's not the point of the dream. It's not the point of the vision. He's got Gentiles coming to his house that Peter has said all his life, these people are unclean. You know, the Jewish people could never eat with Gentiles. That was a huge thing in the early church. Can Jews and Gentiles get along? Can we eat together? And so what took place here is, is God was setting Peter in his right mind and saying, it's the Gentiles are clean. Don't you call them unclean anymore. Peter goes to the house of Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them all. And they start speaking in tongues. And Peter's like, God's doing a new thing right now. The Spirit of God is coming upon the Gentiles. Whoa, we got to call Jerusalem. Something's happening. And you don't see Peter running out going, hey, we can eat whatever we want. That's not the purpose of the dream. And we're not interpreting Scripture correctly if that's the conclusion that we come to. Amen? Amen. Mark chapter 7 is also a reference to Jesus speaking about the ceremonial washing of hands that the rabbis kept to keep their food clean. So there was a certain, like I, I believe the Bible teaches you should wash your hands under running water. And I'm grateful for that. But there was also a ceremonial cleaning that the rabbis required if you would be considered eating clean food. So there's a certain ceremony that Jesus' disciples were not following. And so they were condemning them. And Jesus speaks to them by saying this in Mark 7, 15. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Verse 19, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods are clean. Well, right there, pastor, you see every single food. Eat whatever you want at the buffet. Well, let me ask you this question. To a Jewish person, is every animal food? What is food at this point? They would have never even considered pork a food. You understand, like this is, thinking it from a Jewish perspective, would that be considered food? 
So these are just some thoughts that I want you to consider. When we look into the New Testament, again, if all food is declared clean, we must ask, would unclean animals be considered food to a Jew? Absolutely not. But what changed? So we're going in from the Old Testament to the New Testament. How many know when Jesus showed up, it made a big difference? Amen? Like, the biggest mistake of the, of the Jewish people was not following the law. It was relying on the law for your salvation. Come on, I want you to catch that. There's no sin about being obedient to the laws in the Old Testament. But if you're relying on those laws to save you, dumb on you. Only Jesus can save you. Hear me. Because a lot of people, they get into all the, the laws and the restrictions, and then they get prideful and they think, because I'm doing them, I'm more saved. No, you're not. The only work that saves you is the work that Jesus did. <laughs> but we cannot, nor can we not throw all the laws out either. Because if you throw all the laws out, you become a lawless person. And God says, because of the increase of lawlessness in the end days, the hearts of most will grow cold. What if some of the sickness in our bodies is because we're not watching what we put into our body? Come on, I believe if Twinkies were around, they would be in the book of Leviticus right now. And if they made a Twinkie back then, it'd still be the same today, right? Isn't that crazy? Are you guys with me this morning? All right, well, can I teach on this, okay? Can I stretch you a little bit? So what changed for non-Jewish people? So Paul addresses this. Guys, this is a big deal in the New Testament. If you study the New Testament, it's a big deal about how do Jewish people who follow the law get along with non-Jewish people because they don't follow the laws. There are certain things in the Bible that God commands the Jewish people to do. He commands them to be circumcised. He commands them to, like if you're Jewish today, follow the dietary laws. If you're not Jewish, do what you want. It's an option for you. I think you'll live longer. I think you'll live healthier if you follow them. But I believe that, I don't believe it's forced to the Jewish people. I don't believe it's forced to the Gentiles. But I believe it's more obligatory. Is that a word? Obligatory? To the Jewish person than it is to the Gentiles. Any Jews in the house? Any Jewish people? Really? My wife's Jewish, so there you go. <clears throat> so let me go through the, th the three things. One starts with circumcision. That was a big deal in the New Testament, is that Jewish people had to be circumcised. You're going to find that Titus was not a Jewish person, and so Paul said, don't get circumcised. You don't need to. You're not a Jew. But Timothy was Jewish, and he told him, he commanded them, you have to get circumcised. Why? Because Timothy was Jewish, and Titus was different. So there's different emphasis on, depending on whether you're Jewish or Gentile. Is this making sense? Let me show you this horrible thing they put up. Biggest mistake they ever did at a Pizza Hut in New York City. Can you put this sign up? Due to unforeseen circumcisions, the dining room will be closed this evening.
not at, I'm not at the pizza right now. So someone didn't spell check circumstances, I guess, and it ended up circumcisions. Due to unforeseen. Ouch. Okay. That's weird. Okay. So circumcisions, observance of the Sabbath day of holidays is the next thing. I believe that Jewish people should, we should encourage them to embrace the Sabbath, the, the holidays. Here we do Passover. We do a bunch of them. We invite people into those things. It's not forced or obligatory. And the dietary laws. So these are things that I want you to consider but listen what Colossians 2.16 says. This is good. It says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So if you feel judged today because of the Baconator you had this morning, that would be wrong of me, right? What, we're, what he's saying, we don't judge one another. But we should also look at the reasons behind these dietary laws to give us a long and healthy life. Amen? So non-Jews, Gentiles are invited into this way, but we're not. It's not obligatory. Obligatory, whatever you say. So the last thing I want to say is we want to look whether food can become an idol. And we ought to be aware that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to put things in our body that will defile our body. And God loved the Jewish people so much, and he loves you so much, that he said, I love you so much, I don't want you to get sick. I want you to live long. I don't want you to put parasites into your bodies. I don't want you to put toxins into your bodies. Like, that was an issue. I don't think Christians get that today. And as your pastor, I'm going to lean into you a little bit. we got to be aware about what's happening into our food into the, in the world today. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people right now, they want us eating bugs. And there are some bugs you can eat, but I'm not in to eat bugs. I want steak. And I don't want Bill Gates making laboratory meat and telling me, eat this. Come on. Like, do you think Bill Gates' meat would be prohibited in Leviticus? I 100%. Created out of stem cells in a laboratory? Yeah. And then they're going to try to force it on us. Do you think that's, let me ask you, do you think that's biblical? No. I don't at all. Like, I think that's sick. And guess who owns the most farmland in our country right now? No, I, I think it's he owns like one four hundredth percent of it. But that's still odd for someone that wants to eat laboratory meat to own farmland. Come on. I'm not stupid. I don't have my head in the sand. <laughs> we got to see what's going on. People out there want you to defile yourself, want you full of toxins, want you to poison yourself so that you die early, that you don't live a happy, healthy life, that you're shut down, you can, you know, that you can't go out into all the world and fulfill the gospel. They want us weak, right? God wants us healthy, and strong. And I may step on some toes today, but I really want you guys to see God has a purpose for your life. And if there's one area that he can get us, it's by what we're allowing to be put into our body to take that seriously before God. Bless it and eat it. Doesn't work. 
I think somebody came up with pre-blessed food too, right? Pre-blessed food. We're going to pre-bless your food. No, you know. There's some things that matter. What, how you bless it, it's not going to be blessed. We can't ask God to bless our mess of a life. If we don't separate between what is common and holy, and this is just in the natural. I'm just talking about food. But there's a deeper concept here, guys. There are some things that are sacred, and there's some things that are common. And what's happening right now in our society is they're taking those things that are sacred, sacred and precious, and they're just throwing them out there like it's common. The sexuality and the perversion and, and the, the gender ideology and the, the drag queen shows, all these things, these are disgusting to God. And they're, and they're exposing our kids. They're defiling our children with these very things because no one has stood up and said, that's sacred. We have to speak out. We have to say, no, this is sacred to God. And I will defend that which is sacred. Because when you start to mix the two, it's a huge explosion that will happen. Death will ensue. He's showing us some things through the dietary laws. But there's a much deeper concept. 1 Corinthians 6.19. Paul says this a lot to the Corinthian church. Corinthians were the most... Yeah, they were the most lawless church of them all. And he would always tell them, don't you guys know? And he says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And he would warn them. He'd say, and there was this issue in the Bible talking about food sacrifice to idols. How many have read that in your Bible? That don't eat food sacrificed to idols. And in our modern context, that doesn't make sense. Like, how many go to the store and say, yeah, I'd like the idol, I'd like the meat that was sacrificed to an idol, please. It's an unspecial. We don't get that, but back in the ancient times, they would most, now, this is my best scholarly definition of food sacrifice to idols, is that the temples would make sacrifice to their idols, and they would use, you know, animals to do that. It would sacrifice a cow. And then once the sacrifice was done, the meat would be relatively cheap, and then they would sell it to anybody that wanted it. And there was a prohibition against this, but then Paul also says, well, it's no big deal anyway. And it's just a very odd talk on food sacrifice to idols because we don't really have anything relevant or connecting to that whole idea today? Or do we? That's what I want to ask you. Do we? Are we eating food that is just destroying our bodies? Are we eating things that actually defile us and go against the plan that God had for us? You know, if you buy a, a diesel engine, you got to put diesel fuel in it. If you put the wrong fuel in your body, in going against what God says to put into your body, it's not a good plan. And I think being a, re a label reader and asking questions is one of the smartest things you can do. Come on. What would Jesus eat? I think he would eat things that were raw and natural. He would follow the dietary laws. He wouldn't eat all this processed stuff because... 
the stuff they put on your food to preserve it so that it lasts longer on the shelf so they could still make money is killing you. They're toxic. And we have to be aware of that. Some people just don't care. They're led by the spirit of mammon. There are some trusted companies out there. Find trusted companies that aren't going to poison your food, that are going to take care of us. Come on, can I preach to you this morning? It's important. I love you. <laughs> I want the best for you. I want you to live long and healthy. But it's interesting. Did you know that Italy, and back in November, became the first country in the world to ban lab-grown meat? They banned it. They said, Bill Gates, no of your meat in our country. Amen? I'm glad Italy did that. I think they're making a wise decision, you know? But right now, what we have is we have all these solar panels. Where are they putting these? On farmland. And I'm going to ask you, what do you, what's going to happen to these solar panels in 50 years when they shut down? It's not a good plan. You know, there's another energy source getting ready to be released. There's, there's new ideas. This is not a good plan. And we think about the limited amount of farmland. Their farmland's getting taken away. They're coming after cow farts right now. Did you know that? There's a cow fart apocalypse. Wouldn't it be great if I was making this up? I'm not. I mean, this is a mockery of the whole thing. It's, I'm right, I'm, Miss Winnie, I'm right. There are people that are very concerned losing sleep that your cow is farting and destroying the atmosphere. We got to get this book, The Cow Fart Apocalypse. <laughs> Apocalypse. And why are they worried about that? Because they want to take natural food away from us. They want to shut down the farms. They want to shut down so we can't have our chickens and whatever we want to eat, the meat that we want to eat. And they want to grow it in a laboratory. And friend, we got to push back. Because it's stupid, it goes against the Bible, and we can't just have our head in the sand and think, well, just bless it and eat it. I'm not eating that. I'm not even going to pray over that. I'm going to pray for you over the spirit of stupid over your life. <laughs> Cow farts. <laughs> Revelations 2.20 says, But I have this against you, that you practice sexual immorality, and to eat and you eat food sacrificed to idols. So there's something about what we put into our body. We're going to take communion today. We're going to do it right. But I want you to remember as well that it's important what you consider what you put into your body. Don't take it lightly. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. There are warnings in the Bible about don't eat things that have been sacrificed to idols. Like refrain. Say no. And if you do eat it, don't worry about it. Like, that's what Paul begins to say. Well, so if, if you're eating some food and someone says, and someone doesn't, he says, basically if you're eating some meat and 
You don't go, hey, excuse me, was this sacrifice to an idol? He says, don't do that. Don't worry about it. It's not sin. But he says, if someone comes to you and says, hey, that was sacrificed to an idol, he says, then don't eat it. <laughs> so what we put into our bodies is something I want you to consider. Like you said, Jesus would eat nutrient-dense foods, non-processed foods, foods in their natural state. If you look at a label and it has more than four ingredients on it, don't eat it. Come on, how many of you have looked at your label and the thing's like this long and it's got like 500 ingredients? You're like, what? And if you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. Okay? So we're talking about living holy. There's a holy place. There's unholy. There's clean. There's unclean. God has set us apart as a people to live holy. In our lifestyles and how we look at life, there's a separation between what's holy and not holy, what's common, what's clean, what's unclean, what's clean. We make that separation. We choose that. You have been set apart. Did you know God calls you holy? He's made you righteous. Holiness means, it's the Hebrew word kadosh. It means you've been set apart. You're in that sacred category. You're no longer common. You're special. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. He set you apart as sacred and holy to him. We ought not live in any way that's displeasing to him. Come on, there's stuff going on in ministry right now. It's so heartbreaking. Where ministers have chosen to do things, to abuse women, and to make bad choices. You know, when we step in as a Christian, it's not okay. We have to live holy to them. We have to set ourselves apart for that. Where death will ensue. Death will follow. This is an important time that you and I set ourselves apart as holy to the Lord. Holiness is not about what you do. Holiness means that you have chosen to be one. You're set apart for God. And because you're set apart for God, you live a different way.
wanted to bring his new bride. Thank God for the discernment of the Holy Spirit. We live in a season where we don't look at face value. We have to seek after God and know what the intentions of a man's heart is. We're in a season where there's wolves in sheep clothing. And Ivan Tuttle is that. He showed up here and he introduces this 20-something girl and tells, him, tells us this is his new wife. As I talked to her, I could tell she was very distraught. She wasn't able to talk by herself. I asked her some questions and I just knew something was wrong. So I got on Facebook, thank God for Facebook sometimes, and I found Ivan's real wife and I was able to communicate with her. He's married to a woman in Tennessee and he's telling us he's bringing this other woman here that's his wife now. Church, we're in a season now where God will not tolerate that. We're in a season where God will not tolerate the, sea, the, the things that are done in secret will be shouted from the mountaintops. God's going to let his prophets know what is right and wrong. And this man stands on the pulpit and he preaches that he went to hell and he saw what hell was like. And he's sleeping with a girl and telling everybody and lying that it's his wife. He's a liar. He's a fraud. He's a fake. He's been exposed here. And I so apologize that Chris and I even allowed this man to come and stand in this pulpit. Our bring, I, I, again, we, we gave him an opportunity to, res, to be restored. Before we go to bed last night, we get a text from him. He's threatening us with lawyers if we expose him. And when I was down here worshiping the Lord, you know how the devil is? He always outplays his hand. First of all, Chris and I aren't threatened. <laughs> we fear God. We love what is good and we hate what is evil. We fear God and that's the only person we fear. We can't let, this is not a season of intimidation where the enemy can kind of allow fear to paralyze us. So he's threatening us last night that he's gonna get a lawyer if we expose anything. We have a right to you. We have a right to God. My heart breaks for these women in his life. These women that should have never been treated the way that they have. He took advantage, the Bible talks about going in and taking advantage of these weak women, going into their home, finances. Like I said, he's a fraud, he's a fake. I don't believe anything he says. So I need to clear the air with that. And I just ask God to just bring healing to our church, any effects that he's had, any defilement that he's brought to this altar, any lies, any prophecies, him laying hands on anybody in this church, that he tried to use it for his own gain. He comes in and seduces and lies and manipulates and controls. When I was with him, I wanted to throw up. He's a liar, he's a fraud, he's a manipulator. So I cleanse every person that had hands laid on them. Anything that was spoken over them, I speak the, I cover them in the blood of Jesus from any defilement. 
And I stand here on this altar to do it this way because this is where he stood and he picks his arena of rebuke. He's had an opportunity. We invited him to come and to stand up here and to make things right. And he denied that. So I speak cleansing over every person that's here, over our body, that you will bring restoration. And I'll tell you, we're in a season where anything that can be shaken will be shaken. And once again, God is... He's the one to be feared. It's good to talk about God's love, his mercy, his beauty, and worship him. But everyone in this room, we need to fear him. We need a holy, reverential fear for God. We have to have that. That's part of who he is. And Ivan does not have that. To live that life and go around and speak in the pulpits, he does not have the fear of God and he does not have the fear of hell. So his whole message is disqualified. (laughs) I just want to thank you guys for your leadership and your obedience. And it's very clear that... Ivan came to the wrong church. (laughs) And Debbie, I just want to thank, I'm over here, Debbie. (laughs) I just want to thank you guys for your leadership and your obedience. And it's very clear that Ivan came to the wrong church. Ephesians, Ephesians 5.11 says that, that have nothing to do with the hidden works of darkness, but rather expose them. And uh, that's part of our purpose. And the reason we do this publicly, because he was here publicly, he lied to so many of you um, about his situation. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that if a person will not repent, that we hand them over to Satan. Um, this is not what's happening today. But um, if there's not reconciliation, that's what we will do here at this church, is we will officially hand him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. I know that, I know that may sound uh, challenging for you, some of you, but that's biblical. And we handle things in a biblical way here. And so, you know, as your pastor, and uh, I repent for allowing this man to ever speak from this pulpit, And thank God we have the prophetic here and a good, strong community here that we can pray for cleansing when that needs to be cleansed. And uh, we just encourage you guys to continue to pray for that. Know that we're here because uh, we love you, and there are so many people on our team that uh, we protect. We protect what God has done here, and we know that when the enemy wants to destroy us, he will sometimes send people to do that. And uh, we don't want to, we're not covering anything up here. We want to make it known. Uh, we've done our best to try to bring reconciliation, but the, that doesn't happen. We care for the, the weak of the flock, um, not those who come with, a, you know, an anointing. It's not about anointing. It's about character. And so um, let's just give God some thanks for exposing what needed to be exposed. Amen. <laughs>